Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all the complex interactions it takes inside your company to get to value, which exists only outside of your company in your customer's brain. I'm Mark Boundy, your host, and today I have Gail Keller, who is starting her new practice and her new business of helping women in STEM and women in business leadership. Gail, welcome. Welcome, Mark. I'm excited to be here today and thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. So uh, Gail and I are kind of kindred spirits. She uh, is an alumni of Microsoft, uh, was a high performing uh, sales business development person at Microsoft. Um, when we talk about sales, we talk about a lot of the same things and talk about value, and we have the same opinion on so many things. So it's cool to have you here, Gail. Well, thanks again for having me, Mark. So tell us about your new venture. So I am excited to announce that I am starting my own business, all to help women in tech and overall women in STEM take their risks, take their leaps of faith, and help them reinvent themselves. As a woman in tech, I saw where women struggle compared to men out there. For example, I, there was an article on LinkedIn and it said, a man reads a post and a woman reads a post about a job offer or, or a job opportunity, a role. The woman reads it and says, ooh, I don't have that skill set. I'm not applying. A man read that same role and said, I don't have that skill set yet, but I'm going to gain those skills on the job. I'm going for it. So I think eight, women feel they need to be 80% ready and men 30 to go after anything. And so I want to help women take their leaps and their risks and say, yes, you can. And that's uh, what I'm all about. Yeah, I love that. You know, I, in my my history, I went from being a product manager at Wire and Cable to a product manager in telecom equipment mm -hmm. to uh, commercial real estate lending to sales training and like, holy crap, what's the same? Well, between asking for $17 million for a new product as mm -hmm. a product manager, asking for $17 million from your executives, it's not that much different than asking for $17 million for a new loan for a new uh, corporate headquarters. The only difference is you have to learn how to read a, a title report and a real estate appraisal. Other than that, the questions are the same. And I, you know, maybe it's because I'm a guy, but I was lucky enough to just think of the skills that I have not as skills within the box that I had learned them. They are the skills. Knowing the business questions, knowing business analysis is knowing business analysis. And if you apply that to asking for a loan versus asking for R&D money versus asking uh, for a training budget, it's the same questions. Right, and we all put our pants on the same way. And, you know, I just kind of, people look at me like I'm uh, this brave freak for having been able to jump from one wildly different career to another, 
But you're saying that uh, there's a lot of women who are the inverse of that. They only look at their skills as their skills within their industry, within their box. Correct. Correct. And so I come up with helping women. So I have a course offering, an online course. I have group advisory work. Um, I, my podcast, my thought leadership arm of the business all talks about that Theodora who has successfully failed forward. So my podcast series is called Theodora Speaks. What I'm helping women with is to make them more courageous, decisive, confident, assertive, and have more balance. Balance is, isn't a 50-50 scale. That's the spoiler alert. That's a myth. Balance is all about remixing your priorities in life and finding a little more balance. Balance is, is your balance. It's not the balance. Correct. And, What's important to you. Yep. Yep. And so let's look at, is there, how much of your practice, how much of Theodora is helping CEOs understand that they have Theodoras in their organization? and they have to help those Theodoras as well. It can't just be Gail. It's gotta, no. be, it's gotta be everybody in an organization recognizing the Theodoras in their midst. Correct, and that is one of my missions, one of my goals is to talk to corporations. To not only help women one-to-one -one and in group settings, but get to the corporate level to help the executives understand how to get more diversity and inclusion within the organization. So, CEOs struggle with that. I, and so tell me about that. They do. And I believe that there's a perception today where we lump in, society lumps in diversity and inclusion into one single bucket and that all the companies are the same. And we need to level set, take a deep breath and level set. There needs to be a universal understanding that not all companies are and businesses are the same. Companies differ in size, industry, goals, profitability. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Companies continue to struggle to find top talent. Oh, and by the way, available top talent. Because if you are top talent, that company doesn't want to let you go, right? So it's harder for top talent to move from company to company and what attracts them to do so. So that may naturally lend to catering to hiring more women, uh, other ethnicities, et cetera, to expand their applicant pool, which is great. That's a positive. But what can be a universal approach is when companies think about their employees with a holistic approach to diversity inclusion versus just one-off programs, throw things at the wall, see if it sticks. Everybody's talking about DNI, diversity inclusion, so I should too. So where's that common denominator within companies, Mark? Well, everyone wants to belong. Employees want to belong within their organizations. And even in the last year, we're seeing more corporations take a stance in their definition of diversity, diversity and inclusion. However, that universal trait commonly shared by the companies is that they want their employees to feel a sense of equality and belonging. And employees in turn want their voices to be heard and their work appreciated and that what they're doing today makes a difference for tomorrow. Yeah, workers today are, they, they want that as bad as any generation of workers ever. Uh, the younger the worker, the less they are willing to compromise that. If they don't get it, they're more willing to walk from a job that they think is not rewarding than older folks. And I think that's kind of cool in a lot of ways. 
It's got to be frustrating for CEOs. Where's the loyalty? Right? right. Where's the loyalty? Well, where was the loyalty you showed them? Oh, I'm doing it the way I always did it. Okay. Right. Let's start there. Um, so, so where does this, right? Diversity and inclusion isn't just a checkbox. Diversity and inclusion isn't just motherhood and apple pie where we're trying to 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 make this a, a better workplace or to keep our people where where does it show up on my financial statement sure so you know the ceo's struggle right it's that top-down bottom-up approach and so ceos surround themselves with people they trust and tend to pull up people in the ranks whom they've worked with in the past, who have delivered results. So everything is results driven. The number one job of a CEO is profitability. So it needs to show up in the profitability line, the growth line, in the margins. Do corporations have enough in their margin to spend uh, on diversity and inclusion? Well, I'm also here to level set that not all corporations are the same, not all industries are the same. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's three factors that drive diversity and inclusion. One, public pressure from the news media, especially in the last year with everything with Black Lives Matters putting a spotlight on diversity and inclusion. So that public pressure, companies that have profitability, extra fat in their margins to spend on diversity and inclusion programs shine. So we need to put a spotlight on those corporations to say, shout from the mountaintops what you're doing within diversity and inclusion within your organization to help other companies. Because manufacturing companies, they're all focused on supply chain and their margins and their profitability might not be as great as a technology company, for example. A financial company, right? Not only do they want to be profitable, but they're struck with, stuck with compliance issues now. They have an aging advisory population that is retiring and they're trying to get younger talent in that's diversified and inclusive but they're having a compliance issue on that end to get them up to speed with everything that's changing there. So I think it shows up differently on everybody's yeah. P&L statement, right? The balance sheet, but it's all about profitability. Well, it is all about profitability, but I think where we were, we were talking before that workers are becoming more and more insistent on a rewarding workplace. Mm -hmm. And if they don't find it, they leave. And there isn't there isn't a in gap external in, in your external publicly public income statement filings. There's not a line for employee turnover costs, but, you know, it's there and it's high and it's huge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you and I came from a sales world. The cost of an empty sales territory, the cost of turning over a salesperson isn't just the the cost you pay to recruiter the 30% of their annual pay that you paid to hire them there's the cost of the empty territory for the number of months that that territory was vacant there is the cost of an underserved territory while that new salesperson is ramping up there's the cost of regaining all the lost business that is now entrenched in your competitors that happened during that downtime mm -hmm. um and onboarding costs, Mark. Right? And the onboarding the onboarding costs are nothing compared to the revenue line costs. So you're if take them out of the sales to uh, you know an accounts receivable uh, person, 
But there's still the, the, the stress on the team from having a vacancy, doing more work. Um, there is the communication issues. There's the, um, there's the hiring cost. There's the onboarding cost. There's the inefficiency of all those mistakes that got made as they were onboarding. Um, those things add up in a big way to, um, I've seen estimates that replacing somebody is somewhere between one and three times their annual salary in terms of cost. So add that up times every unneeded employee turnover that you add. And that sounds kind of important. Very, very. And then there's, a, I guess there's another one that's harder to measure, and that is uh, your competitiveness. Diversity in purple is diversity of thought. So how do you, what kind of costs are there? What kind of impacts to the business happen there? Right, because if those benefits, if that salary looks more attractive on the other side of the fence, right, you're going to see a lot of top talent leave. If it's not that attractive, you'll see the top talent stay, but the competition's still going to be chomping at the bit to get the top talent to come their way. Yeah. There always is that tug of war happening. And um, I guess the other one is it, it's, it's an invisible cost, and that is the cost of having a less creative problem-solving team. If all of the people addressing your business problems are old white men, the solutions and the proposals are much more restrictive and much more uniform than if instead of 12 old white men, you've got 12 people of diverse backgrounds and experiences um, and perspectives. And what is the cost of a constant flow of more limited ideas. The opportunity cost is lost, right? If it's yeah. the same old day in, day out with a world that's ever changing. And so yeah. I'm not here to say, um, you know, abolish and abandon the white men. No, but there's room for diversity and inclusion within the boardroom. Yep. Right. And that can come from women, that can come from people of other ethnicities, um, other men that yeah. are diverse, right, as yeah. well. So tell me a little bit more about your programs. You've got a program for women to step out, be more confident, and um, take a more, more balanced view of their limitations or the fact that their limitations are much less than they are, their self-perception or their negative self-talk. Oh, what else? What else? So, you know, not only was I driven by that LinkedIn article that I shared a few minutes ago, but I'm also driven by the pandemic and the 2.3 million plus, because I haven't seen a recent number yet on that, of women that left the workforce in 2020 because of the pandemic, because of the strengths. Um, and these are very talented women that are, were high up within their organizations. Uh, yeah, there were some lower level entry positions as well, but the demands of the household, a pandemic and the job just couldn't handle it um you know could they could oh, yeah, they're, they're trying to homeschool the kids and or whatever um, correct and it was so, one of them yeah now i've seen another um statistic i forget where gail that said that right now there is a whole raft of hidden exodus people waiting for the economy to get a little bit better so that they can leave the job they hate so there is a huge turnover wave about to hit corporate America. Have you heard that? 
I've heard a little little bit here and there. Being yeah. And so if, if that's true, if you're about to lose people, I guess there's two things. One, do something to stop losing at least the best of them. But two, there's all these great people on the sidelines, uh, a lot of them women who had to stay at home who are dying to help you upgrade your team. Right. And to feel more fulfilled within their careers. Right. And so that's going to either retain people or make them jump the fence to the competition at the end of the day. Yeah. So either way, how can I help these women? And so that's why I came up with a five step methodology program, this online course and group advisory work to help women successfully take their leaps without the crash and burn. Yep. So can you oh, like give me the, the overview of the five steps? Sure. So the ones that I alluded to without giving too much away, the five steps with the theme of being more courageous, decisive, confident, assertive, and have more balance. I right. Like the balance. That's yeah. the balance. Not yeah. a 50-50 scale, but what are your priorities and how can I help you better align to help you breathe, to help you believe in yourself that yeah. yes, you can. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know if this is good or bad. I suppose it's some of both, but I have always gravitated towards women coworkers and bosses because I see so much power in a lot of the women I work with and I really enjoy that. And I am less attracted to a lot of the macho crap that dudes do. I don't know what that makes me, but, um, I am this very collaborative person that um, seems to enjoy that. And am I the only one? Am I like a, am I a, th a throwback or a throw forward or a freak of nature? What am I? I think you're a throw forward because we're in this movement. We have not uh, made the full leap yet in the shift. It's happening in real time, which is really exciting. And it's a really exciting time for me to launch my company. Um, women are empathetic and we need to show more empathy in the workforce. And Microsoft is really, really good at that. We started to have programs that instilled being empathetic and training courses around that long before the pandemic, long before Black Lives Matter. So I do commend them for being a step ahead of all of this because diversity and inclusion looks at everything, not just people of color or yeah. race, right? Yeah, I have a, a friend. Yeah, I have a friend, a friend, Christine Gilmore or Gilroy. Chris, I have a friend, Christine Gilroy. Uh, she is a sales leader. She was the um, national sales manager, VP of sales for Oracle's um, customer experience software suite. Mm -hmm. So she sold against, you know, she sold against Microsoft Dynamics for, you know, with with Oracle stuff. And she is passionate about um, diversity in a sales force. And that empathy that you talked about uh, is one of the reasons, but also just somebody who, uh, and having a sales team that you can bounce stuff off of in a sales meeting that helps uh, helps everybody become more empathetic and ask better questions and to learn the customer situation and the business better. And uh, a diverse teams are better at, at help coaching each other to be more empathetic. Mm -hmm. Agree? Disagree? I totally agree. And I like what she's saying, even though we sold against each other back in the day and we were competitors, I do like 
what she's saying. Yeah, I need because to. That diversity makes the world go round. Yeah, you need to. I'm sorry. No, I you, you I, I need to introduce you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to talk to her. Yeah, and pick her brain on. This. Yeah, she's you she's know, with a di- she's with a different company now, but um, she and I are kindred spirits as well. Oh, great. Hi, Christine. Um, shout out to you, by the way. We'll talk soon. Um, <laughs> so what else What else do you want to make sure that we talk about? I think it's important when we think about diversity and inclusion, because I'm taking more of the female stance of that right now. And, and that's any woman of color, right? And it's really important to be grounded. I like what you said about Christine being a great female leader, role model. We need more women in those roles. So a couple of things, if we see it, we can believe it, we can do it, we can aspire, right? So there's that, but there, not every woman uh, understands the seat at the table. And what do I mean by that? There are only up until this point, so many seats at the table that women vie and scratch and claw a little bit at that. Not every woman, because I've had great female managers, but I've had amazing male managers. So I do want to send a shout out to men out there because they are great leaders. Um, And I definitely want to come up with a program for men in sort of phase two of my iteration of my company. But women in general need to stop being petty, right? We're a little more dramatic than men. And so that doesn't really bode well in the workforce. Empathy does, sure. But we need to start uplifting our own kind as we climb the corporate ladder. And I think that's how for women, we're going to be more diversified and inclusive. Yeah, I um, I completely agree. And I'd love to, as the as your program for leaders and men uh, evolves, it'd be fun to get you back. See, I've got, uh, I happen to be married to a world famous surgeon. Uh, when we go to meetings around the world, people come up to her. There's like a mob around her talking about this paper or that article or that video she put out on or or, uh, her work she's doing in this or that. Um, And she really dislikes being asked to be on a women's doctor club or, you know, women in leadership club. She's very much one of those people that say, just excel and let everybody else adapt to you being great, even though you have ovaries. Mm-hmm. And I get that, but there's something that men have to do. I mean, wouldn't it be great if it was as simple as that? Wouldn't it be great if organizations just let women excel and get a promoted because they excel and just um, actually be blind to gender? So what's it going to take for, for her vision of what should be to actually be true? I love what she's saying and I want to get there. For me, in my opinion, we are not there yet and we've got a ways to go. I think in STEM uh, is one of the poster children for we're not there yet. Correct. And how do we get there, right? Women in STEM are so intelligent. And sometimes we're too much in our heads and not enough in our bodies and, and you know what we aspire to be. And so that's also something that I want to help empower women with. But, you know, we have Women's International Day for a reason, right? Wouldn't it be great if it was just called International Day and uh, we were there, but we're just 
not. And I was talking to our mutual friend, Lisa Levy, not too long ago. And she said, you know, she looked up female innovators, disruptors in the world. They're there. They exist. But they're not as as um, talked about as much as an Elon Musk, for example. Yeah. Said. yeah they're, they're below the fold and not above the fold. Correct. Correct. And there's that confidence and that courage to stand forward and, and to stand out and say, I, I can do this. I am doing this. Look. And if we start showcasing more women like that, I think more women will rise up through the ranks. Yeah. Now, I also think, you know, with that said, there's a lot of working moms out there that have to work or that they simply want to work. So what programs out there are corporations thinking about to help women re-enter after maternity leave, for example? Yeah. You know, I was lucky enough to get a five, six month maternity leave, which was amazing time for my family and I, and to me to get acclimated with my new title as a, as a mom. But when I came back to your point, Mark, my territory was untouched. No one was working my territory. So my territory sales were down. The customers didn't feel the love because they weren't being called on in my absence. And so that's not just the company I worked for at the time. That's every company out there. So I challenge corporations to think about helping women re-enter the workforce and what are they doing with their jobs that they're holding while they're out. Yes, that's going to cost the company's money, right? It's going to cost some of that that uh, margin and, and how much do they have to, to give to that. But if we're going to see more women in the workforce, we have to cater to they may be working mothers. And if we don't have mothers, there's no population to feed corporations, right? There aren't children to bring up in, in girls in STEM to become women in STEM, for example. And it's so important uh, to place a spotlight on what are we doing for those women today? What are we doing for the women that did leave the workforce to be the chief mom officer of their home until their kids get into school? What are those re-entry programs? And there are some companies, I commend them, that are offering re-entry programs for mothers that have come back from being the chief mom officer and now getting back into um, you know, a job that, that uh, wills a W-2. Yeah, very cool. So how can people get a hold of you? How can people learn more about Theodora and, and find their inner Theodora and yes. which Theodora they are? Yes. And all you have to be to be a Thor Theodora is a woman that has successfully failed forward, taken your leap, and you're ready to talk about the risks and reinventions in your career, the peaks and the valleys. And the peaks are great. Everybody sees the peaks, but we want to talk about the valleys. Where did these women struggle? How did they get out of it to find their better day and to be their best selves? So you can find me at gailkeller.org is my website. And uh, on there are my podcasts that live on the C-Suite Radio. So shout out to the C-Suite Radio. The name Theodora is the female version of Theodore. My grandfather's name who migrated from Europe was Theodore. And I told myself if I ever started my own business, I wanted to honor his name because he was a tool and die maker by trade, but an entrepreneur by passion. So enter Theodora Speaks. So my logo is a silhouette of a Theodora. And that Theodora is my guest on my podcast who has taken her risks, reinvented herself, and not afraid to share her stories. I um, I love the the image of a Theodora, and that this week's Theodora is failed forward this way, and this week's failed Theodora did this. Um, that's inspiring, Gail. I wish you well. Um, anything else that we want to share with people? Well, thank you. Thank you for saying inspiring because that's one of my three words. Inspire, motivate, and educate is what I want to do for women in tech. 
Very cool. Uh, Gail, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks everybody for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that your success in your business is really determined between your customer's ears. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.